Father in. Well, let's go to the word uh, of the Lord. I'd like for you to turn with me to 1 Samuel 13. 1 Samuel 13. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You've not kept the commandment of the Lord your God which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be king over his people. Because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. And then in Acts chapter 13, verse 22, and when he had removed him, he raised up for them David as king, to whom he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart who will do all my will. How to be a person after God's own heart. Would you say those words after me, please? How to be a person after God's own heart. I've been fascinated, enthralled by these verses for many, many years. It would seem to me that a man who was a man after God's own heart would be at the top of the universe, at the pinnacle of his potential. It would seem that this man would be a good model for all men who would wish that the blessings of God would rest upon their lives. A man who God would be attracted to. A man whom the heart of God had been longing for. The kind of man that God had been looking for. A man whom the heart of God would create and desire. This indicates to me that God is concerned about quality. He is concerned about character. Even God does not start with any old thing in developing his servants. And if God, with all of his power, does not start with any old thing, then we, with our negligible power, should not start with any old thing. Even we need to look for quality in the people who are around us. All of us should be very careful regarding the models that we select and the models that we choose in life. And so God had determined the kind of man he was looking for. And in the same sense, each of us should develop a concept of the kind of person or the kinds of persons that we will associate with in our lives. We should not let other people make solitary decisions about whether we're going to associate with them on a more than casual basis. I don't care how enthusiastic they are about being associated with you. 
you've got to make a quality decision about whether you are going to be associated with them. Don't be so hungry for human relationships that you will accept any old thing. Will you look toward your neighbor and say, don't be so hungry for human relationships that you will accept any old thing. I know it might have been long since Mr. Wright has not come into your life and you're getting kind of uh, concerned and you're on the verge of compromise and accepting something less than the best. Hold on a little while longer. Keep your standard high. Keep on believing that God's going to bless you with the person that you really need to be blessed with in your life. Iron sharpens iron. We must then categorize our relationships by the function that they're to serve serve in our lives. There are those who should be models for us. And then there are also those for whom we should be models. There are those with whom we should associate so that we can have a positive and enhancing life and so that they can have a positive and enhancing influence on us. But then there are others with whom we should associate because of their positive and enhancing influence. There are those who as our genuine friends mutually and similarly struggle upwards and Godwards with us. It doesn't mean they're perfect, but it means they're sincere. That they're doing the best they can. They're trying to rise. And if you're sincere and doing the best you can, then sometimes when the rough time hits you, they'll be at a good time and they can pull you along. And when it hits them, you'll be at a good time and you can pull them along and both of you can arrive where God would have you to be. But then there are others whom we should never allow to enter into the circle of our friends. Their effect can be nothing but detrimental. They're totally unwilling to entertain even the thought of positive change. And let me assure you that if they're not pulling you up, they're going to pull you. Help me preach today, Holy Ghost. Their hearts are hardened and impervious to any positive influence you might wish to have on them. Listen, if somebody you are dealing with is a negative influence and are reaching in negative directions and don't want to do anything, don't want to be anything, and you've tried to encourage them, tried to lift them, tried to motivate them toward good and positive things, then the best thing for you to do is love them at a distance. How you doing? Good to see you. See you later. I'm in a hurry. They don't pull you up. They're going to pull you down. I suppose that this is how God began to look at King Saul, the person about whom our text speaks. Saul was David's predecessor. And since God rejected Saul because he was not what God was looking for and because he displeased God, it may be that we, by understanding the opposite of what Saul did, find out the qualities that are after the heart of God. Number one, Saul, when God called him, was little and humble in his own eyes. He hid from the folk that were looking to make him king. 
But somewhere along the way, he got caught up in the office that God had elevated him to. He got caught up in being king. And the prophet had to say to him, when you were little in your own eyes, God used you and God blessed you and God elevated you. But now, what now has happened? Saul began to be proud. He began to be assertive. He began to have uh, excessive self-confidence. Listen, we should not feel inferior, but neither should we feel that we are worth more, are better, are greater than God has made us to become. Really strong people can afford to be humble. Really strong people can afford to be kind. They can afford to be nice. Everything comes from God. Whatever we are and whatever we become, God made us that. And God had made Saul king. But somewhere along the way, he got to thinking that he was the it and the all. And he got lifted up and caught up in himself. And so, number one, he was no longer little in his own eyes. Look at your neighbor and say, be little in your own eyes. But then, number two, we find that Saul was unwilling to operate according to the schedule that God had for him. They were getting ready to go out and fight an enemy, and Samuel said, wait until I get there. I'm going to offer a sacrifice unto the Lord, and God is going to give you victory. And so Samuel didn't show up when Saul thought he should have shown up. And so Saul decided to get ahead of Samuel and get ahead of God and do what was not lawful. It was not lawful for him, not being a priest or a prophet, to offer sacrifice in that way before the people unto the Lord. And because he got ahead of Saul, ahead of Samuel, and did so, when Samuel showed up, he had to say, "Listen, uh, obedience is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. Listen, it's better to wait on God than to get ahead of God and make a mess. So tell your neighbor, wait on God." And then Saul placed. Material possessions above the will and the plan of God. God had told Saul, listen, when I give you victory, I want you to destroy every trace of that heathen nation, all their flocks, all their treasures, everything. I want you to destroy it all. And Saul said, all right. But then Saul, when he fought against that nation and defeated them, saw that they had beautiful cattle and and beautiful things and Saul decided to keep some of the cattle back for himself and then when Samuel showed up and said did you do it did you destroy all the cattle and everything Saul said yes I did and about that time a cow said no <laughs> and Samuel said well what is that uh, and so I said, oh, 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 I kept that back for the offering. I kept that back as a sacrifice unto the Lord. I, I kept the best because I wanted to. No, Samuel said, no, you kept that back for yourself. Hallelujah. And so listen, tell your neighbor, place obedience to God over your material advantage. And then Saul turned to evil, devilish powers for guidance and for Direction. When God stopped talking to Saul, Saul went and found him a witch and consulted with the witch and by evil powers tried to get knowledge and insight regarding what was going to happen in the future. And listen, child of God, listen, look unto God. Let God be the only God, the only 
power, the only one that you rely upon and certainly don't rely upon forces of evil or wickedness to do what would bring your will to pass. But then, fifthly, Saul, when he saw that God had blessed David, when he saw that God was using David, Saul tried to undermine David's future. And child of God, if you are not the one that God has selected for a particular thing at a particular time, don't try to block and stop and be jealous of the one that God has selected for this time. It'll be your time later. And if you bless what God blesses, God will bless you. Tell your neighbor, if you bless what God blesses, God will bless you too. Come on, clap your hands and thank God. Not only did he try to block and undermine David, but he tried to kill David. He tried to destroy the one that God had chosen. Listen, you'd better bless the one that God blesses. You better praise God for the one that God blesses. You better lift and encourage and push that one on toward their destiny. If you do that, you'll find God lifting you higher and higher also. And one of the most tragic things was that Saul never really changed. He'd give some type of empty, vain uh, uh, apology when he was caught in the wrong. But as soon as he thought he'd gotten out of that one, he'd get into some other kind of mess. And some folk are forever getting in messes because of their wickedness, because of their maliciousness. But listen, if a man's ways please the Lord, the Bible says he'll make even his enemies to be at peace with him. You don't have to be wicked and low down, undermining folk and negative about folk for God to bless you. You don't go higher because you pull them down. You just are staying down where you're trying to pull them to. You can't pull them without being down. But if you're trying to lift them, you've got to get up higher and God will help you and bless you to do that also. Clap your hands and praise the Lord. So we've quickly listed some of the characteristics that disqualified Saul from being a person after the heart of God. I could go on back to the office and sit down now and let each of you finish this message all by yourself because I've preached already, amen? But everybody, everybody ought to want to be a person after the heart of God. People whose heart God is attached to, people who are on God's heart, they get elevated, people who are on God's heart get anointed. People who own God's heart are prospered. People who are on the heart of God get protected. Uh, people who are on God's heart get identified with God so that you mess with them, you're messing with God himself. Uh, people who are on God's heart receive special miracles from Almighty God. People who own the heart of God get preferential treatment. They get moved to the front of the line. Has, has God ever moved you to the front of the line? You were in the back. You were just there. In, but all of a sudden, God moved you. And, and people who own the heart of God get special assignments from the Lord. And if God gives you an assignment, you can't die until the assignment is complete. Tell your neighbor, if God gives you an assignment, you can't die until the assignment is complete. 
I mean that. I mean that. Listen, if God says you're going to do something, you are going to do it. If you put your heart to it, and until you've done it, you can't die because God has a purpose and objective for you on the earth. So you better go to God and get an assignment. Tell your neighbor, I'm going to God and I'm going to get an assignment. Mm -hmm. After God selected David as a man after his own heart, David was on the fast track to success. God started putting him on other people's heart. Saul needed an anointed musician to play for him and uh, to liberate his soul and bless him and bless him emotionally and, and mentally to bring peace to his disturbed spirit. And so somebody recommended David as the one who was able to do that. And David was such a blessing to Saul that Saul chose David to be his armor bearer. And, and an armor bearer carried the additional weapon for the officer or for the king and frequently the armor bearer fought by the king's side but soon David behaved so valiantly that he became the chairman of the chiefs of staff of the joint chiefs of staff and in 1 Samuel 18 and 5 the Bible says and David went out whithersoever Saul sent him and David behaved himself wisely and Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. David was a man after God's own heart. And from one office, from one level to another, God elevated him and carried him higher and higher and higher. And even when Saul became jealous of David, and when Saul did everything he could to destroy David, God stepped in and protected David because David was a man after God's own heart. When you are a person after the heart of God, God will step in and protect you. God will be a shield for you in the midst of your enemies. Somebody ought to say praise the Lord. David was anointed, killed a lion, barehanded, killed a bear, killed Goliath. He became one of Israel's greatest warriors, and then he became Israel's greatest king. Listen, when a man's ways please the Lord, he'll make even his enemies to be at peace with him. Listen, when you are a person after the heart of God, God will prosper you. I said God will prosper you. David became a rich man because he was a man after the heart of God. He was a generous person. He was a person blessed by God. David was able to give a single building fund gift of $100,695,000 in one offering, as my offering, and walked on about his business. He, he was able to build and prepare for the building of the new temple. And one of the reasons that he was a person after God's heart was he was generous. If you want to be a person after the heart of God, you need to be a generous person. I said you need to be a generous person. Uh, can I read 1 Chronicles 29 and 10? Where the Bible describes that moment that David gave that great offering. Therefore, David blessed the Lord before all the assembly. And David said, blessed are you, O Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power and the glory, the victory, and the majesty, 
For all that is in heaven and in earth are yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you. Tell your neighbor, riches and honor come from God. And you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Now therefore our God, verse 13, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? For all things come from you and of your own we have given unto you. David said, I might be king in the eyes of the people, but I'm just a shepherd boy that you picked up from the field and lifted to this level. Whatever I have, you gave it to me. All things come from you. And what I've given is nothing but what you gave to me. And it's a hundred million dollars, but Lord, it's just what you did in my life. Lift up your hands and say, Lord, whatever I do, I give you glory. I give you praise. David was a man after God's own heart and so God prospered him and God made ways for him. God fixed it so that all of David's descendants ruled Israel for many generations. And then God arranged things so that Jesus would be in the lineage, in the family line of David. So he'd be called the son of David. I could go on and on, but all this proves that God does special things for the person who is after God's own heart. Tell your neighbor, God does special things for the person who is after God's own heart. I'm going to be through pretty soon, maybe in about two or three hours here. Listen, God does reveal that the primary factor in his selection of David was not something that was visible. It was not something that was physical. It was not something that was even behavioral. It was something that was internal. God looked on the inside of David when he found a person after his own heart. He looked at David's heart. And 1 Samuel 16 and 7 says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have refused him. He was referring to David's older brother. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And child of God, when you are selecting folk, I know you're impressed by the outward appearance, but you better check out the heart before you make a selection to become associated with this or that individual. The heart is the most important thing. They may be beautiful as ever, but if the heart is ugly, if the heart is hateful, if the heart is deceitful, you're bringing misery and distress into your life. And when God checked David out, he checked David's heart out and said, I found a man after mine own heart. Proverbs 16 and 1 says that the preparations of heart of the heart belong to man. And that should be taken to mean that with God's help, all of us can work on our hearts. Look at your name and say, does your heart need some work? Uh-huh. And then David in Psalm 51 and 10 said, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. David had a good heart. He had a heart that impressed the very heart of, the, the, of God himself and God 
made him a man to whom his heart was attached. But let's examine David's heart. I said it was a generous heart, but then also I want to say that David's heart was a courageous heart. He had a courageous heart. He was willing to take risk for the glory of God. David fought and killed Goliath because Goliath spoke against the name of God. In 2 Samuel 16 and 5, David came and, and uh, there was a man who, uh, in, in, uh, I beg your pardon, 1 Samuel 17 and 45, David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And then David said to Goliath, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Will you clap your hands and say there is a God in Israel. David was courageous. They tell me Goliath was tall, almost twice as tall as the average man and muscular and had a sword that was so heavy that it could hardly be reached. But David stood before Goliath and said, listen, the bigger you are, the easier it's going to be for me to hit you. And, and David overcame Goliath because God gave him a courageous heart. And you know, I spoke to you a few days ago about how Osama bin Laden was able to get 19 men to go out and die in one day. Some of them got on one plane and flew it into one of the World Trade Towers and got, others got on another plane and flew it into another of the World Trade Towers and some got in a third plane and flew it into the Pentagon and some got into a fourth plane and they were on their way to the White House but they were stopped and they crashed before they were able to get there. But if 19 men the word of one man could decide we're going to die today. I believe the church of God ought to rise up and be courageous and say we're going to live for our God. We're going to serve him with all of our might. We're going to do what will please him. Tell your neighbor be strong and be courageous. God we serve is able. God is able. God is able to give us victory. God is able to help us overcome. God is able to help us to do his work and to do his will. Clap your hands and give praise to God. He had a courageous heart. But then also he had a humble and a forgiving heart. In 2 Samuel chapter 16, verse 5, we find the story of David when he was fleeing away from Jerusalem to escape the wrath of his son uh, who had sought to kill him and, and to destroy him. His son's name was Absalom. And as they went, there was a man by the name of Shimei who came out and began to curse David and talk about David and say, come out, come out, you bloodthirsty man, you rogue. The Lord has brought upon you the blood of the house of Saul. The Lord has delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom, your son. You're caught in your own evil. You're a bloodthirsty man. He threw stones at David. He talked about David. And one of David's generals said, let me go chop his head off. Let me go take his life away. David said, no, leave him alone. Maybe God will grant me blessing for his cursing. God may have ordered him. The Lord will look on my affliction 
and will pay me good for his cursing. And so David never did anything to Shimei, even though he went on and gained the victory and came out all right. Listen, don't you worry about taking revenge on your enemies. The Lord said, vengeance is mine. I will repay. And he said, as God has forgiven you, so you ought to forgive men their trespasses against you. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Listen, a man who has a heart that is drawing the mind and the heart of God is a man who is a forgiving person. Do you have anybody that you have not forgiven? Anybody that you have something against, you'd better let that go so God can bless you and take you higher. God said, if you don't forgive, I'm not going to forgive. And so you ought to say, Lord, help me forgive everybody that's done me wrong, everybody that talked about me, everybody that hated me. Listen, you don't want that unforgiveness in your heart anyway because sometimes the person you are mad at does not even know you exist on the face of the earth. They've not thought about you since year before last, but every day you're thinking about them. You'd better get that stuff out of you so you can enjoy your life and enjoy your God. Help me praise our God. David had a loving heart. He was a good friend to many people and he tried to help folk out everywhere we go. And the Lord lets us know that we cannot love him if we don't love our brothers whom we see day after day. And so when God looked at the heart of David, he saw a loving heart. He saw a forgiving heart. But then also he saw a repentant heart. David knew how to repent. I said David knew how to repent. There are many who would say, how could David be a person after the heart of God? when he committed adultery with Bathsheba and had her husband killed. And I agree, that was a great evil that David committed. That was a great wrong that David had done. And he and his family suffered for years to come because of what he did. But when he did it, he was not a man after God's own heart at that time. This was a great failure in an otherwise spectacular career. But when David sinned and when David and when the prophet Nathan came and said, you're the man who God blessed, whom God provided for, and God made many ways, and God has given you everything heart could desire, but you went and took a poor man's possession, a poor man's wife, and God can't forgive you for that without punishing you for it. But when Nathan spoke to David, David was convicted. David knew that he was wrong, and David fell down before God and said, have mercy on me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me and against you and only you have I sinned and I've done this great evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. David did not hide his sin. He just went before God and said, God, I'm wrong. I've done wrong, and I want you to forgive me. Now, some people, when they apologize, you almost wish that they would just shut up and go on about their business. They say, if you think I did something wrong, if I hurt you, if you feel uh, that, that, that I have 
done something that I should not have done. In other words, it's really not my fault. But if you think I did something that was out of order, I want you to forgive me. They don't just look you in the eye and say, listen, what I did was wrong. I'm sorry about it. I wish there was some kind of way I could turn this thing around and make it not have happened, but it happened. I was wrong. I'm begging you to forgive me. I'm sorry for what I've done. And some people don't know how to do that before the Lord. They come to God with a smile on their face as if they've never wronged God or let God down. They come to God expecting God is going to accept them any old kind of way. And however they may have lived, but child of God, the wages of sin is death. And the gift of God is eternal life. And the soul that sins shall die. But Jesus, the Son of God, died in our place that we might be forgiven. And if Jesus died for you, you ought to say, Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry. I want you to forgive me. Give me a chance to live for you and to do your will. Raise your hand and say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, I'm sorry. Hallelujah. Oh, bless the name of God. Hallelujah. Let me finish with this. David not only had a repentant heart, David had a worshiping heart. David was a man after God's own heart because he knew how to worship God and how to praise God. He loved to hang out with God. Listen, don't you think somebody loves you if they never want to hang out with you? They never want to be in your presence. They're always trying to get away from you. High by. They're not really in love with you. They might be in love with the benefit of knowing you, of being associated with you. But if they just want to use you and not be blessed by fellowship with you, they don't really love you. But David loved the Lord. He loved him so much that he loved to hang out with him and be in his presence. He said in Psalm 34 and 1, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praises shall continually be in my mouth. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord. He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. He had a worshiping heart. He had a demonstrative heart. He didn't just worship the Lord with his lips or with his mind. His whole body got involved in worshiping God. David was the king, but he shouted and danced. When the Ark of the Covenant was being brought back to Israel, he shouted till his outer robe fell off, but he did not let that stop him from praising God. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, don't let anything stop you from praising the Lord. Come on and praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him. David danced. David danced until his wife got mad. And when David came in, his wife, Michelle, Saul's daughter, 
looked through a window and she despised David in his heart. And when David had finished, he came in to bless his family and to bless his home. And his wife said, how glorious was the king of Israel uncovering himself in the sight of all of his servants as one of the base fellows who shamelessly uncovers himself. And David said it was before the law. I said it was before the law. I wasn't dancing for folk. I was dancing for law. I was not praising God because you saw me. I was praising him because he was good. It was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all of his house. Therefore, will I play music before the Lord. And then in verse uh, chapter 6 and verse 22, he said, I will be even more undignified than this. Tell your neighbor I'm going to praise him. I will be even more undignified. I will be even more undignified. Hallelujah. His country came out. I said his country came out. His wife had been living in the palace almost all of her life. But when David saw what the Lord had done for him, raised him from the field to the throne, God had brought the Ark of the Covenant back into the midst of the people of God. David said, I know a king is supposed to be dignified, but I will be more undignified than this. I'm going to praise him no matter what you think about it. I'm going to praise him. Look over at your neighbor and say, neighbor, I will be even more undignified than this. It's a curse of the devil that we're supposed to get excited everywhere but in church that we're supposed to praise God and praise people everywhere but in church at the ball game the football game you know there's a football game taking place today thousands of people and millions around the world are going to jump and yell and scream at the sight of their favorite team but God has been so good so so good oh I've got to praise him tell your neighbor I've got to praise him praise him he's so good so good so So good, hallelujah, praise him for life, praise him for health, praise him for a place to sleep, praise him for protecting us, praise him for bringing us, praise him for lifting us, yes, yes, yes. 
If anybody has a reason to praise it, I've got a reason to praise the Lord. Anybody has got a right to shout, I've got a right to shout. I've got a right to lift him. I've got a right to glorify him. Bless the Lord, all my soul and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord. Lord, he gave me life, gave me strength, gave me health, gave me wisdom, gave me knowledge, gave me protection, gave me friends, gave me a place to be, a place to sleep. He's so good. I've got to praise him. Come on, lift up your hands and your praise. Praise him, praise him. Hallelujah. 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 The focus so often the class. They want to identify with the upper class. They want to act as if they are a member of the upper class, even if they are not a member of the upper class. They want to dress class. They want to talk class. Uh huh. They want to live class. Somebody came along and said, listen, when it comes to praising God, class dismissed. Would you tell somebody, class dismissed? I'm going to praise Him. As long as I live, I'm going to praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I got to stop. I'm not anywhere near through, but I've got to stop. I just want to say something. David was a man after God's own heart. But in many ways, David was not the example or the model that we really need in our lives and that he should have been. But I've got another model for you. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robber to be equal with God. Jesus was God, the Son, co-equal with God, a part of the divine Godhead. But when he came to earth, he could have said, listen, I'm who I am. All of y'all have got to bow and worship. But the Bible says he made for himself no reputation. Took the form of a bondservant and came in the likeness of men. Just a step from the royalty and divinity of heaven, became a man, walked the face of the earth in poverty, obscurity, humbled himself and became obedient. He, whatever God said, do he obeyed God. 
God wants some obedient folk today. He was obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. But listen to this. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him a name that's above every name, that is the name of Jesus. Every knee shall bow in heaven, on the earth, under the earth. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Because he humbled himself, God exalted him. Because he had a heart of love for God. God took him higher than he had ever been before. Tell two people, God's going to take you higher than you've ever been. Tell two people I'm going higher, 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 higher. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Give me a clean. So I can worship you. Give me a clean heart so I can do your will. I'm not worthy of all these blessings. Give me a clean heart. You all know that. Somebody sing it for me. Give me a clean heart. Yes, yes. transplant 
If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I've given you just a part of what God wants to see when he looks at your heart. But there's something that you and God can do together. If you say yes, God will do the work. If you say yes, God will bring it to pass. The work of the heart is ours, but God stands in with us and places in us those things that would please him. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Someone in this house today, when you look at your heart and look at your past, when you look at the life you've lived, you're not very pleased. You realize even now that you're not under the direction of the Spirit of Christ, that Jesus is not in charge of your life. And you want to be saved. You want to be forgiven. You want the mercy of God to be extended to you. This service is for you. And this time is for you. Every sin you've ever committed can be forgiven. Jesus Christ can become Lord of your life. He will live in your heart, in your soul, in your spirit. He will fix it so that you will never be the same again. He can set you free, deliver you, transform you by the power of Almighty God. While every head is bowed, if you're here today and you'd say, Preacher, I want to know Jesus. I want to be saved. I want my sins forgiven. I need God in my life today. I want him to take charge of my mind, take charge of my heart. And I want to be in him. And so that he will, in me and through me, perform his will and his work in my life. Every head is bowed. If you're that one that would say, pray for me, preacher, I need God. I need God's blessing. I want to be a person after God's own heart. If that's you, I'll know you and pray for you right where you stand. If you'll just lift your hand, lift that hand high quickly. Pray for me, preacher. I need God. I want Jesus Christ to become the Lord of my life. I want him to take charge of me. I want him to transform me into the person that he would have me to be in the name of Jesus. I see that hand. Other hands are lifted. Praise God for each of you. Others, ten more people need to lift their hands quickly. Lift up those hands. Dear Lord, I pray for every uplifted hand. Thank you, dear Lord, that you brought these into the house of the Lord today, that you've drawn them unto yourself. Thank you, dear Lord, that you're God of their lives. Thank you that you will be in them and through them and with them all that they need to be the people that you have them to be. Everybody say this prayer after me. Dear Lord, I'm so sorry for all of my sins. Please forgive me for the wrong I've done and the wrong I have been. I want to be saved. I want to have a heart that you're looking for. I want to be the her person that you're looking for. Come into my heart, into my life. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that he died for my sins and arose from the dead. I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. I will live for him. And I thank you, Lord. I'm saved. 
I'm forgiven. I have new life. Come on and praise God for it. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Hallelujah.